0: Thank you. <laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls, creeps and titties. It's your old pal, the Keeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> You are listening to the Trick or Treaters Podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network, movie reviews, horror news, and
1: all the gory details. Listen if you dare. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 35 of the Trick or Treaters Podcast. I am your host, Kyle and as always, I am joined by my wonderful co host, JR.
0: JR, how are you doing today, buddy? And as we are recording, we are officially the last day of June. We have cleared six months of the year 2021. And we are going to start kicking off July summer horrors here. And it's starting off with a bang. I'm very excited as we're covering our 4th of July horror film that uh, you and I chose. I know what you did last summer. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited to do this. Another thing I would also add, yesterday is kind of a surreal thing. You know, you and I, we just got done watching. You know, everybody knows we're big pro wrestling fans. We got done watching AEW Dynamite. And they had done like this uh, video tribute for essentially kind of, acknowledging you know what we went through the last 15 months of the pandemic it was just kind of surreal seeing how when everything happened you know it was just everybody was you know essentially in their homes and you know not going to work and everything and now things are opening back up last night i went to a baseball game and there was over forty thousand people at this baseball game and you know everybody you know i i can't say for sure everybody but you know people i was with and the baseball all nfl major league baseball you know nba all the points of being vaccinated but you know especially as you see numbers are coming down or drastically than where they were um and like some of the states that i've um seen on the west coast their numbers are you know as low as it was when we went to lockdown back in march 2020 so it's kind of like like really good feeling that what we did is you know especially getting vaccinated is working and then last week also last friday i got a chance to finally go to the movies the first movie i seen since december 2019 uh we went to go see fast five or excuse me fast nine and i was actually upset because they did not have the trailer for halloween kills i was not happy about that
1: are you fucking kidding me like that? Nope. That's the only reason I'd go. I'm mean, I'm just kidding. I, I I actually do want to see Fast Time.
0: No, but I was hot though cuz I was like cuz that was a rumor. Oh, it was like during the Fast 9 trailer. It was like shown at the Fast 9. And so I had actually stepped out like they had messed up with my soda. You know, I will say this, if you're going to movie theaters, I'm not sure when some of your guys' movie theaters open. Mine just my local ones didn't open up till this month. So they're still working their kinks out. I felt bad the lady said yeah like our first week all we had was popcorn and water and I'm like oh that sucks I think and they had got their sodas like oh but I think they crossed the streams or something and like orange was Sprite and Diet Coke was Coke or I don't know shit was messed up so I got back and I was like oh did I miss anything did I miss the Halloween trailer I told my wife and she was like no and I'm waiting and waiting and like all these different trailers and I can't remember all of them Um, they came through but I was like he goes, Oh, now onto your your feature presentation. I was like, Where the fuck was the Halloween trailer? That's the only, like, that was one of the most important re- reasons why I wanted to come out today was because I wanted to see the trailer in the movie theater. So I was a little heartbroken yeah. about that.
1: Can you imagine if you would have, uh, if they wouldn't have released the trailer and you would have went to the theaters to see uh, Fast Time because you heard
0: they were doing the trailer and then it wasn't on there? Oh, I, I would have been hot because I would have been like I, I brought it up when we cover last week when we talked about Halloween Kills was that before social media, before, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. If you wanted to see a trailer, if it didn't come on your television, hyping a movie, you only saw trailers in the movie theater. And when the first trailer for Star Wars Episode One Phantom Menace came out, it was a preview trailer right before the movie Meet Joe Black and Star Wars fans went. To buy tickets for Meet Joe black starring Anthony Hopkins and, and Brad Pitt just to see that trailer, and I'm not saying I wouldn't have went to see fast nine but I would not have had the urgency to see it if I was had like all oh, wants the Halloween Kills trailer, and I probably would have waited another week to go see it um and then the more I waited, I probably would have just waited to come out on d v d
1: yeah uh
0: i'm uh I'm wanting
1: to see it uh I, I I'm still wanting to see it, but I think right now the movie I'm gonna go see in theaters this weekend will be The Forever Purge.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of excitement about the Forever Purge. I had some you know, one of my friends said like I'm gonna go watch and he's not even big into horror and he and I told him that's a horror film. You don't you told me you didn't like horror. He was like, No, I like I like this film. So he's excited about it. He said he's seen all of them in theaters and he's excited for, for this one.
1: Yeah, uh I'm uh, uh, seeing the purge movie while I'm on vacation at the beach. has kind of become like an annual tradition for me. Like almost for the past few years, every time I've been at the beach, a new purge movie has come out, and so I always go to theaters and, and, and watch it. Like uh, uh, not not last year, but the year that the first purge came out, uh, I, I watched it in the theaters at the beach, and uh I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I've. I've just always waited for it to come out on DVD. It's just as hard for me because my wife is not into those type of movies. Um, I will say this, though. If you go to the movie theaters, I've said this so many times in the last year, as as movie theaters come back, people, please, I beg you. You got to use movie theater etiquette. I had a row of about a dozen teenage kids, and it took everything in me to not like raise some serious hell in this movie theater because these kids would not shut the fuck up during the movie. They were talking, they were giggling, and like one was on their phone. And I was just like, I don't like getting involved in confrontation because of my normal job. Like I have, I try to maintain some sense of professionalism, in especially in the neighbor, you know, my city that I live in. And so, but I legitimately was like wanted to like go ham ape shit crazy on these fucking kids like i don't know where they went wrong when i was a kid my parents taught me movie theater edit you don't talk during the movies you be respectful like people pay their hard-earned money to see this movie theater and it's just i don't know if it's people kids of privilege i don't know if they don't understand the value of a dollar i don't know if their parents never taught them You know, be respectful of other people but just for Like, just fuck, man. Like, it's nothing annoying, like, going to a movie theater, just trying to get lost in the movie for a couple hours, and some douchebag kid just won't shut up and ruins that experience for you.
1: Oh, yeah. I hate that. (laughs) God, I hate that. That's why I choose to see movies. Unless it's, like, a really important movie that I really want to see on opening night or midnight release, I try and go to a matinee.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, and I kind of blame myself because we went on Friday and I was like, I, I had to get up. I had the doctor's appointment. And I was like, okay, come back. I was like, I need to get through this workout, get ready. And I kind of was like, kind of being a little bit sluggish, my workout, which delayed me. So I probably would have went like at noon and then I end up, we ended up going to one 30. And I think if I would have went at noon, I wouldn't have had that issue. But just by going a little bit extra longer, especially since the summer and school was out, like, you know it it messed up but yeah i i it definitely makes me like the you know as you just said forever purge is the next horror movie coming out you know i know black widow is coming out but i at this point i think i'm going to end up holding off and just waiting to halloween kills before i see a movie in the movie theaters because i do not want to just lose my you know shit on a kid
1: yeah uh I, 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 uh 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 uh, I actually, uh, the other day, I actually put in uh, to be off uh, at work uh, on October 14th and 15th, and my days got approved, so I will definitely be at the midnight release and the Friday show
0: of Halloween Kills. That is, that's what's up. I can't wait for, I can't wait for them to put out those tickets.
1: Yep, I cannot wait. We'll I'll see both of it, and then I'm sure me and you, it's going to drop a bonus episode once we, we both see it because I cannot wait to talk about that movie and watch it. I'm so fucking excited. But, uh, another thing I'm super excited about, uh, a nice segue to the next thing, uh, you mentioned it before we started, uh, we started the episode, Uh, uh, not tomorrow, uh, on Friday, July 2nd, so it'll be out, uh, it'll come out the day this episode drops. Uh, Fear Street on Netflix, part one, is going to premiere. And I am so excited about that.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Friday, July 2nd, Netflix. And then that's the first part. And it's kind of basically July is going to be the summer of horror. Friday, July 2nd, you get the first part. And then you will get the second part that will drop on July 9th. And then the third part that will drop on July 16th. So, and we obviously will make sure you guys know, we'll give you guys a heads up. But yeah, as you will hear our show uh, for trick-or-treaters, as we covered, uh, I know she did last summer, drops on Friday. As you're hearing this, make sure after you get done listening to review, tune into Netflix and watch Arl Stein's Fear Street Part 1, because it's going to be a good one.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm super excited because, I mean, Get to watch that one, and then I think uh, aren't they dropping? The, the, they're dropping each part. There's three parts, and they're dropping them each a uh, week after one another.
0: Yes. So July July second, and then the second part will be July 9th, and then the last part will be July sixteenth. Yes,
1: I'm, I'm I'm I am excited. Uh,
0: any other news recently
1: you may have heard that you're excited about?
0: You know, one of the things is just I'm noticing more horror. Uh. Previews are dropping, so I um you know last week was halloween Kills, this week in the month of August you'll have the sequel to Don't Breathe, Don't Breathe Two. Their sequel, their trailer just dropped, and I just think as as we continue going on, um, Candyman they dropped another another trailer that also comes out at the end of August. You're gonna start seeing more and more trailers coming for movies, so just be on the lookout because, I mean, we were. Being, you know, comparing it to Halloween Kills, you know, we're excited it was coming out. But when you saw that trailer, it literally gave you like that, just that abnus of I I got to see this. Like, I want to see it. I can't wait for it to come out. So um, just keep, you know, stay tuned onto YouTube because as more as we get closer to the next coming months, as more movies end up coming out in theaters, you're going to start seeing more and more trailers popping up to get you excited for those movies coming out. I said, you know, it's also hard for us. We talk about the horror news, but it's in the next fifteen to two, fifteen months to two years. You know, everything is kind of getting back on track with you know scheduled delays and movie delay releases. So um, it's going to be a jam packed two years. So just keep you know on the lookout as things come out.
1: Yeah, there's 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 so much to look forward to this this year. Really excited about what we have coming up, but, uh, but Jared, uh, that's, uh, really all we have uh, as far as news wise. And unfortunately, uh, I did not put up a post for questions because I was busy and just forgot. Uh, blame it on me guys. Sorry. So, so, so no questions this week, but I'll try and remember next, uh, next episode for sure. Uh, but everybody's here for a movie review, and uh, I, I'm excited to talk about this one. One of my favorite slashers, for one of the reasons I picked it, and because, well, uh, this is going to be dropping on Friday, July second. So I mean, two days later will be July fourth, and this is a, a movie that is based, uh, that is that takes place uh, the July fourth uh, weekend, and we're talking about uh, Kevin Williamson's 1997 slasher film. I know what you did last summer. JR, uh, want you give some little thoughts or any kind of uh, any kind of fun uh, fun fun stuff you may have learned about it before we get into it.
0: You know, one of the things is Kevin Williamson. I mean, this guy has to be like almost like a godfather of you think of '90s horror teen horror movies between yeah '96 Scream. 97 Scream 2. Ni- ni- uh, I know what she did last summer. 1998, The Faculty. Um, even one that I don't, it, it's a black comedy uh, teaching Mrs. Tingle. But this guy worked with so many, like, and we'll get into it, especially. I know what she did last summer, but so many, um, like, 90s teen heartthrobs. I mean, when you look at whether it was Nev Campbell or Drew Barrymore. Um, and then, um, Rose McGowan, and then you get into the faculty with Josh Hartnett, a very young uh, Jordana Brewster, who everybody kind of knows her from the Fast and the Furious franchise, which she became more famous for. Uh, uh, young Elijah Wood, Usher, and then you get into uh, I know You Last Summer. And these four characters, I don't think you get any more 90s than Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, Sarah Michelle Giller, Ryan Phillippe, Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, these four individuals were, I mean, at the top of just like the, that 90s, that 90s teen, you know, sensations. When you look at Jennifer Love Hewitt and she was on, I believe, the TV show was Party of Five was on for about five years. Uh, she started, at, you know, in 1995. You look at Sarah Michelle Giller and all of her success with Buffy the Vampire Slayer that started around the same time. Freddie Prinze Jr., I mean, from this was kind of, I think, the beginning of it because he ended up going from here to She's All That and then Summer Catch and then Ryan Philippe this is kind of the beginning of his part too. Cause he would go on from here. He did cruel intentions. He did 54 and um, some other, some other movies like the way of the gun was another one. So these, these all four individuals were really like they had either been in like that teen role for a minute and, or they're about to get catapulted into that teen role.
1: Yeah. And what's, what's great is Sarah Michelle Geller being, In this, uh, because this is uh, right at uh, this is the same year that Buffy premiered, so everybody was all about Sarah Michelle Gellar because of Buffy uh, uh, before this movie came out, and she also played in Scream two the same year.
0: (laughs) The one thing that's also interesting is I noticed this in another Kevin Williamson. So Scream one came out in. I believe it was ninety six. Scream 2, 97, This ninety seven. I still don't know what you did last summer. Came out ninety eight. Right. One thing you notice in Scream one, what I also notice in here, and I, no, I, I know we did last summer came out ninety seven. Okay, so yeah, it came out the same year yeah, as Scream, Buffy and Scream two. So Scream one was ninety six. I know what you did last summer. Scream two was ninety seven, and then I still don't know what you did last summer it was ninety eight. But one thing I noticed by the screenplay by Kevin Williamson. With Scream 1, I know what you did last summer. And then comp- compare that to Scream 2, and I still know what you did last summer, is, and I think it's important to bring us up, is we always talk about the importance of diversity and inclusivity. And people have heard us, we've talked about it, you know, we talk about it's, it's Pride Month, we, we, uh, us as part of Slashing Cast had our shirts that are still up for sale year-round, course for everyone. But with Scream 1 and I Know What You did Last Summer, it's an essentially, unless I could be mistaken, I don't think I am, an all-white member cast. Scream 2, as well as I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, started in, including a more diverse cast, especially when you get, in, and I know we're not covering I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, but you know, with I still know they brought in Brandy and Makai Pfeiffer into into that movie, uh, as like the part of like the four main four two of the four main characters, but in I know it's that summer. It's essentially an all white cast group, and I just think that's kind of thinking about it. It just shows as a following year they kind of recognize the importance of having diversity inclusivity in the late nineties, and we've obviously seen that grown where we've seen more um, either LGBTQ. Um, actors and actresses or Hispanic or African-American actors and actresses put into more horror movies over you know which would end up being like the next 20 years but yeah I, I, that was the one thing I noticed it that I just thought was they they went from the all-white cast to knowing the importance of adding more diversity in the next sequel
1: yeah Uh I <laughs> I never thought about that. Actually, uh, you made a good point about that. Uh, it, it, I, I guess it wasn't until you said that it really hit me that you know, it, Scream One, and I and I know we did last summer, is kind of an all white cast, and then the sequels bring in uh, more diversity, which is great.
0: And I mean, I'll I just because we're not covering so much you did last summer, but the one thing I'll say, like going into there, I mean, they picked equally, in some ways, potentially. It's hard to compare the two, but like you went from Sarah Michelle Giller to Brandy. Brandy was a star in the late nineties. She had her own show. Um Moesha, she had a successful singer. I mean, she was a, she was a big deal. So they like they not just, you know, they went and they found somebody. And Makai Pfeiffer um was another guy that I'm trying to remember all of his roles. He went on a he was on er and he was an eight mile he went on to do bigger bigger roles but he eventually would become a big a a pretty good name in hollywood too but yeah so they didn't just like replace the you know ryan philippe and sarah michelle giller with you know just somebody that would say as like an empty token gesture i mean brandy was big if you guys don't remember brandy like go look up you know those show and her songs like she sold a lot of records too so she was a big deal for a lot of people in the late '90s. My sister had her album. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandy was
1: a huge thing in the late '90s. I, I remember. Uh, what I find interesting about this is, uh, and I, and I see the, I, I see where people, where people get it. Uh, a lot of people write off. I know what you did last summer, uh, as a scream ripoff. And like some people just see it as it just trying to be a like a trying to copy Scream. Kevin Williamson actually wrote the script for I Know what He Did last summer a year before Scream, and he tried to sell it, but it was unsuccessful. It, it wasn't until Scream had all of its success that that uh, uh, Columbia Pictures uh, immediately bought the script. So it's not a rip off of Scream. It came before Scream.
0: Well, just to add to that. The one things that, as you and I always try to come up our facts and figures, we do our little bit of research before we do a review. I know what you did last summer is loosely based off of a night, uh, early 70s novel entitled I Know What You Did Last Summer.
1: Yeah, which, yeah, the, 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 and the, the Arthur hates the movie because her novel wasn't exactly a slasher, like, no one died but it was essentially the same premise of, a, of teenagers covering up a murder and being stalked by a madman, but uh, no one dies in it. But she was very furious about it because she apparently has uh, had a daughter who was murdered.
0: That is, well, that's a terrible turn of events, but I mean, it is loosely based off of a, you know, a novel that was written 20 to 24 years before this movie was released. And I mean, at the end of the day, a slasher film, they're going to have some elements that are going to be somewhat similar, but the movie, it really isn't, you know, similar. I mean, what eventually, you know, Scream with the the, the killers, you know, Stu and uh, Billy, what they did is a lot different and that whole storyline with Sydney is a lot different than what's happening in this film with the what was what's his correct title hook man that can't be right is it a fisherman Fisherman. with the fisherman and julie and and helen and barry and ray so it's a lot different situation like i mean that's like saying if you're saying scream is the same as i know what she did last summer that's like saying i know she last summer is the same as friday 13th i actually probably you you could actually probably put a closer set of parallels to I know she did that summer on Friday the 13th, and you would. I know she did in Scream. You know, four four young kids do something stupid, causes somebody to die. All of a sudden, comes back from the dead to stalk young kids. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. So I'm just, Uh... I'm. It's just obviously like I'm as I'm coming up with a paraphrasing, and you know, as a very shitty premise but it's it's that's what you're gonna see in slasher films a lot of similar similarities because it's a slasher film it's about a killer with a weapon that's coming after a group of young kids it's i think that's just very inadequate for people to compare scream and i know she did last summer saying it's a rip-off
1: yeah oh for, oh, for sure uh <laughs> one of the uh a little interesting like uh uh a little interesting th- Tidbit here is uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt actually auditioned for the role of Helen, and Sarah Michelle Gellar actually auditioned for the role of Julie. Can you imagine if those roles were reversed? Like, I don't know. I, I feel Jennifer Love Hewitt was pretty much the perfect casting for for Julie. I don't, I, as much as as a huge Buffy fan I am and a huge fan of Sarah Michelle Gellar, I couldn't see her being the final girl in here.
0: I. Okay, I can see Sarah Michelle Giller because of her role in Buffy. I could see her being the final girl. I cannot see Jennifer Love Hewitt being the being the. I I, I call it the prom queen role. I don't know exactly the actual title she won, but I can't see her being Helen. I could see Sarah Sarah Michelle Gellar being Julie, but I can't see Jennifer being Helen. Because
1: yeah, I see what you mean.
0: Because I think part of that is that you see these in a very small role, you saw Sarah Michelle Giller play um, that character in Scream 2. So I do think, it's, and then also when you kind of think um, she played Daphne and is it Daphne and Scooby-Doo?
1: Yeah, because Freddie Prinze, she played Fr- uh, Fred. So
0: you can, she's playing roles where it, it kind of like, I think uh, you can kind of see that prom queen type role for her. But you can also see, because of Buffy, her being like a a serious role, a more serious role, which I think that's what Julia is, a more serious role that you have to be that top final girl. Jennifer Love Hewitt, I've never seen her play like that kind of like uppity prom queen type role. I'm not saying she hasn't, I've just never seen it. So I just can't imagine her being in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Because yeah. even
0: even with Jennifer Love Hewitt in a following film that that came after this, a "Can't Hardly Wait," where she played the popular girl, it still wasn't it, it. wasn't it. Still wasn't that type of like you know prom queen role. Yeah, yeah, you, hey, you
1: make a good point there. Uh, I, I definitely see that. Uh, what's so his movie was filmed in North Carolina? Besides, like the opening shots, because parts of that was filmed in California. Because apparently, where they filmed in North Carolina, it wasn't rocky or dangerous enough for them for the to appear dangerous. Uh, for the shots of the road and cliff sides and stuff, so they filmed some of that in, uh, in California, but uh since they're filming in, in, in North Carolina, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt had just previously appeared with uh, a scream queen. Everybody knows Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie house arrest and of uh, prior to filming of this. And uh, uh, at the same time, Jamie Lee Curtis was filming a movie in North Carolina at the same time as, as this was going on. And Jennifer Love uh, Hewitt had actually said that Jamie used to come over to the soundstage where they were filming to wish her good luck on her first horror film and then would come over every day, uh, and give her a hug. And this is why we stand Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: So that is actually one of my favorite. If you've never seen house arrest, it's a good family film. It's essentially, you know, in a quick nutshell, it's a, a son, a teenage son, whose parents, one of them is Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, the father's name skips my mind. Uh, I want to say it's Kevin Pollack is his name. They are having some rocky, you know, issues, and the son decides to lock them in the basement and tell him you got to figure your problems out, and now he's not going to let them out. Some, you know, twists and turns occur, and... um Jennifer Love Hewitt ends up getting involved. It actually Jennifer Love Hewitt, her mom, that ends up being involved in there is actually played by Jennifer Tilly. And you know, other friends are involved. Their parents get involved too. It, it's just a kind of a fun story. But yeah, I actually didn't even correlate that how close House Arrest is to Nine, Oh She Did Last Summer because I think Jennifer that release was a year different. But I pictured Jennifer, if she would be a lot younger, like two, like three or four years younger in house arrest than she was. And I know what she did last summer, because I think like in a house arrest, I feel like she played like a 13, 14 year old girl versus playing in an 18, 19 year old, you know, young adult. And I know what she did. But yeah, that I mean, literally just released a year apart.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love. I just love seeing like, you know. Uh, seeing fellow Scream Queens, uh, you know, help each other out, and uh, seeing how how
0: nice uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was. To her. think about that, a family film that has three favorite Scream Queens that people love: Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Jennifer Tilly. That's insane.
1: <laughs> oh what's what's funny is that so so this is the movie where uh sarah michelle geller and freddie prince jr uh first uh first met each other and they only have two lines uh to each they only speak to each other twice in the whole movie but this is the film where they have they became good friends after meeting and they later fell in love and, and got married. And they're still married till this day because of this film. But they only speak to, the, they only have two speak to, to each other twice throughout the whole movie.
0: That's, you know, sometimes you hear about that, that people meet on sets and they end ended up, you know, having some sort of relationship ends up working out. I mean, it's not uncommon. You hear all the time, you know, especially on TV sets about, you know, an act, to a couple actors, or a writer and an actor, or, you know. It's not it's not out of you know ordinary. It happens all the time.
1: Yeah, and I love the fact that they're still together till this day. Like they've been married and together for a long time, and have done a lot of movies together. But. That- that have stood the test of time
0: that's the key is because unfortunately i think a lot of times is that it ends up not working out and you know i and i say that because unfortunately it's like you never want anybody to go through breakup and heartache and stuff like that but you know it's but for them to meet you know 1990 this room was at least in 97 so you figure that was 24 years ago and they're still together and i pretty sure they have kids don't they yeah, they do. That's, you know that's
1: pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it's pretty cool that uh, Fred and Daphne are Fred. are are, are, mar- are married in real life. <laughs> I wonder if they have a Scooby too. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's interesting? Another interesting thing. Uh, I don't know if, if you if you knew this, chair I'm sure you do. But you know, you know. This is another movie that bridges, sort of bridges our love for horror and wrestling, because Freddie Prince Jr. For those who don't know, uh, wrote for wrote for the WWE for years, and was actually uh, one of the people who convinced Vincent Man to give Jeff Hardy the world title.
0: No comment. <laughs> <laughs> And,
1: and uh there's an episode of of monday night raw where freddie french jr w- 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 was on there and all all of a sudden uh uh lights go out and like uh ominous music hits and the fisherman from from i know you did last summer comes out and it's santina morello
0: yeah i remember that now unfortunately but uh you know I would man Hollywood writers and wrestling has been such a hot topic in the last week so yeah, no comment on any of that nonsense.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean everybody lot like Jeff already getting the world title so I think that I think it was a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh God oh man uh, trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about before we begin. That may be it. It's, yeah. I, I think uh, that'll be fine. But yeah, the, uh, the, that's just a couple of uh, little fun stuff a little, before we get into review. Uh, what do you say we get into it, JR? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, like I said before, we're talking about you know 1997's uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. It was, let me see, when it, when was it
0: released real quick? Up. October seventeenth, nineteen
1: ninety seven. October seventeenth. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's an October movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay, so it was released October seventeenth, nineteen ninety seven. It has a runtime of one hundred and one minutes. Uh As we said before, it, it was actually it was directed by Jim Jim Jilepsy, who uh, who was appointed by Kevin Williamson. It was written by Kevin Williamson. uh and it stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Geller, Ryan, uh, Ryan Philippe, uh, Ryan Philippe, yeah, Ryan Philippe, Freddie Prince Jr., and uh, it was it had a budget of 17 million and it had a, makes a, it had a box office of 125.3 million,
0: you know. And at the time, one of the things we i don't think we mentioned but i know what you did last summer in scream is essentially credited for revitalizing the slasher genre in the 90s like horror was like kind of really on the decline because you we were getting like a lot of shitty sequels so for this film to on a you know 17 million dollar budget it's it's a relatively small budget to do almost you know if i'm doing math in my head correctly eight times you know its budget seven to eight times its budget in the box office, not to mention just off the top of my head, I could complete this doing 30 to $50 million in VHS and rentals and sales when VHS rentals and sales are tearing up all your local box blockbusters and Hollywood videos. Really successful film.
1: Yeah. Very successful. Um, Let's get into it. Uh, how do you, let's talk about this opening. This, this has a very, uh, has, has a really great opening sequence. It's, uh, you, you get a really beautiful, like, flyover of the ocean that ends up leading up through, uh, up showing the cliffs and the road that we'll see eventually where they end up, uh, hitting, they end up hitting the guy and killing him. And, uh, we get a glimpse of a guy sitting on a uh, sitting on a rock and he's been drinking and he's obviously, you know, he, he's obviously, uh, he's obviously sad, but we don't really know what's going on there. Um, how do you feel about that, JR? That, like?
0: that part was weird because I didn't, because we went straight from that to the next scene where they're at the beauty pageant, and I didn't understand yeah. what was the significance of this opening scene
1: yeah it was an odd opening scene but i guess it's just a way to set up like why there was someone there on the road
0: yeah absolutely i mean it's that bit of foreshadowing but you know where you could see why a fisherman was walking around a dark path because he had been fishing all day turning to night and probably had one too many beers in the system
1: Yeah, uh, and then we go to the, uh, it's the Croaker, the Croaker Queen Beauty Pageant, which is a really odd name, but, but I believe the town's like, isn't like the, the, the town's like mascot, the Croakers or something like that? Is it, it's like a type of fish.
0: Yes, I believe, um, I'm not gonna say what type of fish it is because I'm gonna mess it up. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's it's a big. The one thing I would say is, this entire thing is set on a coastal part of North Carolina. So I mean, there's tons You will see the very importance of fishing boats in this film.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, dude. The, the setting for this movie is wonderful. Like I, I wish more 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 horror movies would do stuff like this because like, it, it was really great. Like it's just a coastal. A North Carolina town, but at the same time, it's wonderful because it sets up the fact that the killer is a fisherman. It's easy to, uh, it's easy for you to hide a fisherman among other groups because all these people dress like fishermen. So in other sequences, when you see them, see the fisherman, and then they're running and trying to get them and then they run on and you and like there's a scene where they' getting somebody else that, that wasn't the fisherman it, it's easy it's easy for them to do that because it makes sense because there's other fishermen running around but, but yeah we're at the Kirk Queen beauty pageant and and Helen who's played by chair Michelle Geller uh, she, she's won the beauty pageant and you know all of her friends uh, Ryan uh, or Ryan uh, Ray, who is played by Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I, I can never say his name.
0: Ryan Philippe.
1: Yeah, Ryan Philippe. Yeah, Ray, and then uh, her friend Julie, who is played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, and uh, and then her friend, uh, and then uh, Helen's. Boyfriend, uh, Barry, who is played by Ryan Philippe. And then uh, their friend, Ray, who is uh, who is Julie's boyfriend, who is played by Freddie Prinze Jr. And they're all, they're all you know, excited and cheering on their friend and stuff. And then uh, th- they go outside and we end up meeting their friend,
0: uh, Max. This is the one. So I popped because Max is played by Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki yeah. had such... I mean, his TV roles was iconic because he had such at the time uh, a pretty good supporting role in Roseanne, that went on to become Leonard Hofstetter in Big Bang Theory, which is to me my the greatest comedy half hour comedy show in the history of television. I love Big Bang Theory, but I got a kick because it was just like that's, you know, that's giant lucky. And then before this, you know, he like he was in Roseanne. He was also in. One of the vacation movies with Chevy Chase, I want to say it was Christmas Vacation. For some reason, they changed the kids in every single one of those movies. There's a brand new kid in every one of those vacation movies. Brand new daughter, brand new son. But yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool. And then the other person I also run into um, is a character. Um, I believe it's Helen's older sister, uh, Elsa. They also run into her at this party. Played by Bridget Wilson. Well, Bridget Wilson, I don't think I feel like she was forgotten as she got older, but in the nineties, she kind of had like a few roles on Save by a few episodes on Save by the Bell. When if you're a Save by the Bell fan, this would have been when Kelly and um, Jesse were not on there. And it was the Tory, um, the Tory episodes, Tory Scott episodes. She played the character Ginger. She was also in Last Action Hero. Uh the daughter of the character played by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. She had the Veronica Vaughn, the role in Billy Madison. And then she also played Sonia blade in mortal Kombat. So I thought that was also cool because she kind of was, I think she had like a good little spot in the nineties. So this has so much nineties in, I know what she did last summer. All this is just pure nineties, you know, teen stars. It's just a great nineties slasher.
1: Uh, so, you know, after the, the beauty fan takes place on the night of their high school graduation, Helen's Helen's one, and they're all trying, they're all wanting to go out of town to celebrate. And they end up going to a beach, which is ironically called Dawson's Beach, when a year after this, Kevin Williamson wrote Dawson's Creek, the TV series, which was also filmed uh, a parts was filmed in the same town in north carolina i don't know if you knew that one jr no i did not yeah that's why yeah it's kind of funny because dawson's beach but like uh, it, well what i love about this scene is that they're sitting around by the fire and they're telling the urban legend of the hook band urban legend but what's funny is that all four of them are saying different interpretations and it's all actual real interpretations of the Hookman legend they're just doing all of them because you know, one of them goes, you know, Oh, it was, uh, he was, no, he was decapitated. No, the body was decapitated. No, he was missing a hand. And, and they do, they go back and forth and do that and stuff. And, you know, the, they're just kind of talking about, you know, what their plans are for uh, what their plans are for the future and everything. And then eventually they end up, you know, grouping off and Barry and Helen go have sex and Julie and uh, Ray go, uh, go have sex. And then they end up uh, after this, we see them returning. They're returning, they're leaving the beach and they're returning back in Barry's car. And, you know, they're all having a great time partying to the point that I don't, I've never, I've never seen why someone does this. Barry, like, gets, stands up and leans out the sunroof and is just, you know, having a great time and ends up dropping his bottle on Ray, who's driving, which causes everybody to be distracted. And they end up hitting, uh, hit, they end up hitting, they, they end up uh, uh, hitting a man. Oh. And it it it, it 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 it's pretty neat, like uh, this scene, because like they hit the man, and, and like you see blood all over Barry's face, but then you realize that it's not Barry's blood; it's it's the guy that they hit. His blood is all over his face.
0: So there's a f- a few things about this. Number one, uh, they broke one of the most cardinal rules. In horror films, no sex. I mean, didn't didn't Randy tell us this in Scream? Absolutely no sex in in. The second thing was. This whole, this whole scene of this car accident, it's, it's really weird how the character, uh, played by Ryan Philippe, um, Barry. How he does not die too, because he gets hit by the fisherman's body. You think at that rate, at that speed, and if something hits him, he at minimum should have had a concussion. Knocked out unconscious. But he takes I mean, he gets hit hard, you know, in that in that scene. So like I I really would love to see like a um, some sort of like science, you know, when those things like physics things that they've done, I normally see them with like sports, like how, how many pounds of, you know, how much pounds of, you know, pressure does a boxer throw a punch, you know, things like that. I really would like to see what would happen if they mimic this and see, like, you know, what would happen if this, if this were to occur in real life. I think Barry would have got like literally fucked up bad if, if this was real life. Um, I mean, am I wrong? Like when you saw that scene, like didn't he look like he got like hit pretty hard? As I mean, he got brutally hit too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He like he got hit pretty bad. And then the last thing is this to me when after go back watching it creates a an ex- very interesting, intriguing moral dilemma. Is because as we're going to see is that they hit the fisherman, they get out. Uh, Barry has blood on him, and then they gener- um Julie finds a boot and then they're end up trying to leave. And then eventually they find the body of the fisherman, and they basically like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They're everybody's freaking out. Um, their friend Max comes by and they tell him to stall, get him out of the way. He ends up leaving and they're like, they're going to dump the body inside the uh, the water out on the, basically on the pier where the boats are. And, They get over there. Julie and Ray can't do it. So Helen helps Barry. At the last second, the fisherman like pops up and grabs Helen's beauty crown, takes it with them. And Barry dives in and to go retrieves it. The fisherman's eyes open wide. He is able to get away from him and get his crown. So that's this is where we're at, right? And the dilemma, the interesting dilemma that I look at is what would people do in this similar position is that unfortunately accidents happen all the time you've seen there's always been tons of unfortunately DUI related arrests DUI related uh, traffic accidents is if you're in the similar position of being 17 18 years old you have your whole life ahead of you it actually doesn't even matter you could be 17 years old have your whole life ahead of you you could be 28 married have a child a baby have a good job you just hit somebody you just killed somebody even if there was no drinking involved something's gonna happen either you're gonna vehicular manslaughter civil you know civil you know there may be a civil trial you may you know be on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars like there's going to be issues but if you look around Like they did Julie, Helen, Barry, and Ray. It's like, we're going to get busted. Let's just get rid of the body. Or what would you do? And I think if, as I say that, like people hearing that, I think they, you know, people like, man, of course I had to say something. I would have to say something. It's like, but would you knowing that you could completely throw your whole life away as soon as the cops get involved, because, barry had been drinking there's liquor everywhere they weren't paying attention they killed somebody all their futures are down the drain you you know i just think when i saw this i was like man this is a very interesting dilemma they created in this horror film
1: yeah uh yeah you know it's like i don't know if i would uh I would think I would, you know, have, have the consciousness and, you know, good morals to, you know, to, to report it to the police. But I just really, you just really don't know what you would do in this situation. There's no one around that you know of. Do you report it to, you, you call the police or report, tell the truth, or do you hide the body? it's a very interesting moral dilemma
0: <laughs> and i can tell you i've this topic was broached once with somebody i knew and it, it happened it almost happened in real life and this person that said they were driving it was night and they were kind of messing around they weren't really paid, they weren't paying attention on the road and out of nowhere they saw this person um this pedestrian and they swerved and got out of the way. And, and um, you know, luckily nothing happened. And he says that um, he was a passenger, asked the driver, it's like, what would, man, what would you have done if you would have hit that person? He said, kept on driving. I said, because, you know, if that person got hit, who knows what would have happened. You know, once the police get involved, you know, they start, you know, forensics. And then there's a, there could be a, a uh, criminal trial definitely could be a civil trial at minimum a civil trial Let's they if you are able to escape be like listen we determined you know there was you know you were at fall but it was an accident you know we're just not going to pursue charges you're you know you weren't drinking you weren't driving it just was an unfortunate accident that doesn't mean a civil trial isn't possible because the the, the measure to get essentially a verdict ruled against you in a civil trial is a substantially lower than beyond reasonable doubt in a criminal trial. And so the person said, yeah, like I just would have just kept driving and just moved on. And the thing is, in this situation, too, especially in this part in this film, they're off basically driving around a like a small mountain, small cliff. There's nobody around. There's no lights. There's traffic is completely dead it's like you probably could get rid of the of the body even if you left the body there and got in your car got, got home cleaned it all off you know cleaned your car off washed your car and took it to a dealership or somewhere and just be like hey you know i got a you know i hit a i hit a phone pole. i need to fix my car
1: Yeah, there's there's many ways you can.
0: So I, that's the Dexter. Get away. That's like the you know the, from the TV show Dexter. That's the Dexter in me, like kind of thinking of how they would have got away with this.
1: Yeah, uh, I think honestly, then they probably would have been able if 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 we didn't have this movie, if, if they would have hunted been hunted down you know later on i feel they probably could have gotten away with it but my thing is <laughs> why did they dump the body off the pier right by the boats when more than likely one of the boats is gonna is gonna end up uh is gonna be is is gonna end up catching it
0: oh yeah because if you figure there's a possibility that when it's time for them to pull up an anchor they possibly could have you know caught you know hooked on to the fishermen. Um, Yeah. It's just, I guess it's a very, to me, when I saw it, I thought of this more dilemma and it's, um, you know, being freaked out and they're trying, you know, they're playing a thousand scenarios in their head of what to do. And so I I think also the same thing too, is like, they're like, let's get rid of the body. But I mean that there's a good chance that body was going to be found no matter what.
1: Yeah. Like honestly, th- like the body was going to be found, they probably should have. Uh, honestly, probably should have just tossed the body. But made it lucky like it fell off. Made it lucky like fell off the cliff. But here on Trick or Trader Treaters podcast, we're not trying to tell you how to get away with, how to get away with murder. <laughs> so <laughs> we're here to talk about a movie. <laughs> oh God. So, yeah, you know, they end up dumping the body and stuff, but, Joe, one of the things you didn't talk about that I I always, like, find, like, irritating, but also it's, like, who really acts like that uh, in this movie was uh, after they dump the body and everything and they're leaving, uh, Barry is telling everybody that they take this to their graves. They take the secret to the graves. They never tell anybody about what they did, about what they did tonight. And everybody, you know, agrees, except for Julie is very reluctant. And this motherfucker, like, goes and, like, grabs her up by the throat and is, like, choking her on the car and and saying, hey, uh, hey, we'll take this to our graves uh, uh, now. Her boyfriend, Ray, is right there. Why is he not fucking doing something about this? <laughs>
0: Though I agree, and I mean, one could say he probably was in shock or stuff like that, but yeah, I'll say this because we'll never I uh, shouldn't say never say never, but we'll probably 99% certain we'll never cover it. Is in the the parody scary movie where they mock that scene and they have the character just <laughs> like start just going to town on Anna Ferris, like beating her up yes. and kicking her and punching her, and
1: dude speaking of that movie like that movie is is such a great spoof of scream and i know what you did last summer and some others that it's hard for me to watch it was hard for me to watch this movie without instantly thinking of of scary movie scenes oh
0: there's i mean right off the top of my head i can think of at that scene and then the, um, well i'll say the other scene later but yeah there's like two right off the top of my head i'm like oh i remember that from scary movie
1: yeah, like I was waiting for the the, the fisherman to get up and be like, hey, I'm all right. <laughs> no, I, I'm fine. <laughs> it's like we got to hide the body. <laughs> no need. I'm okay. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so you know the, the, that happens, and eventually they all agree to. They all agree to keep secret. It's now one year later. And Julie is returning home from college, and she she hasn't spoken to Helen Barry or Ray since uh, since the accident. So we're obviously we're believe that um, Julie and Ray are no longer together. And there are Helen and Barry, but we don't find that out till till later. You know, Julie gets home, and you know she she obviously seems not. Quiet there, and her uh, her her mom realizes that, and she even asks her if she's on drugs, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. He's like, "Are you on drugs?"
0: That's I think that's like the stereotypical question that every parent has for their kid once they come back from the first year of college—is if they're on drugs or drinking.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's just hilarious hearing that dialogue because I'm like, I don't think I've ever had, I've ever heard an adult really ask that in that kind of situation. you just, I just need to know because you're acting so weird. Are you on drugs? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Julie's mom ends up telling her that, you know, she got a letter and she opens it up and it reads just in bold Bold black print in capital capital letters. I know what you did last summer, and obviously that startles Julie, and she runs upstairs, and you know she, she's really startled by this. I mean, I would too, knowing if I just did something like that, and then that happened. So Julie ends up going to find Helen. Uh, Julie ends up going to find Helen, uh, you know, to try and ask her. She also to tell her about the the, the letter, and she goes and she goes to Helen's sister's uh, shop. Her she has she has like a little clothing shop. Uh, her sister's name is is Elsa, and and she's looking for. Uh, she's looking for. Uh, Julie's there to ask Elsa where Helen is because she thinks that Helen is in New York. And Helen, I mean, not Helen, Elsa ends up telling Julie that Helen's actually not in New York and that she's actually working there at the shop. And then Julie sees Helen and you know, they have a little moment. And then Julie t- shows Helen the letter and they end up deciding to go visit Barry. And the, the, they end up going to visit Barry, who is immediately, from the start, just an absolute dick. Uh, and the, 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 they tell him about the letter and stuff, and, and he ends up missing it. But then eventually, after going over the incident, Barry thinks that it is Max, who is their friend, who showed up uh, who showed up who they had to stall. He thinks that Max may have saw something, which you know, is a good point. If, if I was them and I'm in their position where I don't think anyone saw us, but then obviously a letter shows up saying, otherwise I would probably accuse Max as well.
0: Yeah. And then what ends up happening is, you know, Barry gets into, you know, threatens Max with the hook, you know, scares him. That's like, this is the one thing I noticed. Ryan Philippe does a good job playing an asshole. Like a really like a, he's just like complete douchebag asshole. And it's the way that he like in the whole beginning of the film, the way he talks to Julie, the way he talks to Helen, the way he treats Max is just like, it's like, ah, dude, I just, you're, you're probably at this point really rooting for him to die. I mean,
1: I was, (laughs) (laughs) One hundred percent. Oh, uh All of them end up going to a going to visit Max uh, at a fact uh, at a factory, and uh, but Barry ends up telling them to you know to stay out there, and he's going to go in there, and he's going to talk to Max, and he ends up you know finding Max. And he takes, uh, he ends up taking Max into a back room, and he ends up, you know, attacking him, and telling him that he needs to keep his mouth shut. But obviously, Max doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And then they end up. uh, Julie ends up uh, later on. She finds Ray, who is working at the. He's working on the docks, on a boat, and. Ray tries to make up with Julie, but uh, she ends up running off uh, you know, before he can. And now we finally get to our first, well, mm, technically two, I guess. But we're just going to say our first kill, our first kill of the movie. Uh, we see. Uh, we're inside the factory where Max Max works, and he ends up getting a fucking hook through the chin, which is a really great kill, and it gets a good struggle off, and there's just like there's there's blood all over the place. And come to find out, I don't know if you know this, Jar, but that that kill was actually like one of the last kills they. They originally wasn't even going to do that one, but uh, apparently G- 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 epilepsy was told that he needed to have blood in this movie because his movie really didn't have much blood, and so so the, they decided to throw that one in there.
0: No, I, I actually think it's also... It doesn't seem like an important kill, but the thing that makes it important is just you're setting up that... It's you're setting up what's to come. Introducing the fisherman. It starts slowly and it's going to start building after this. So I think that kill is actually pretty important to like, to start the chain reaction that's about to come.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> because we don't see the fisherman, All we see is a hook going into, to Max's chin and then him being jerk off. We don't know what exactly the killer looks like right now. But we do find out uh, next because after Max gets killed, Barry, who is uh, working out, uh, he's, he ends up uh, getting out of the shower and he finds a, he finds a note in his locker and eventually he walks out and he ends up finding out that uh, someone has taken his car and uh, he he walks outside and he see, he sees it he sees the car but it, it, yeah, somebody's in it and they try and run him over well they do run him over but not exactly to the point where they kill I don't understand how they didn't really really fucking hurt him because they hit him with the car and drive him through a fucking wall <laughs> it was insane like how he he survived that.
0: You could just see that the fisherman is toying with them at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the only way. That's the only thing that explains it. He's just toying with them. Which, mm, I mean, I don't know. If I'm trying to mur, if I'm wanting to murder like a group and teach them a lesson, I'm just gonna fucking murder them. I'm not gonna play games with them because he literally runs over. He runs over Barry with the, with his own car. Has every chance to kill him. Even gets out of the car. And we see that he's wearing this 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 uh, fisherman slicker uh, raincoat, and he and he wills, he's wielding a hook in one of his hands, and he stands over Barry. But then Barry, <laughs> the scene bla- fades to black, and then we see Barry waking up in a hospital, and it's like it's the weirdest transition ever because you're like, what the hell just happened? But Julie ends up arriving at the hospital. Uh, and she's uh, she's want to see Barry, and she finds Helen and Ray already there. And uh, J- Julie ends up revealing that the man that they hit, uh, uh, that they hit uh, uh, back then, his name was David Egan. And so Helen and Julie go and track down his sister, Missy Egan. Uh, it's, I go to her house and uh Missy uh doesn't recognize them and Julie is convinced that you know she's that she's innocent because I guess because uh, they had suspicions that maybe she's the one doing this because because everything going on uh, uh, but Missy ends up at this visit telling them that she had a visit from a man claiming to be her brother David's uh, friend who was in his name. He went by the name Billy blue. R- really weird name to go by. Not very suspicious. Is it Jr.
0: It's a very horrible nickname.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the next night, no, Helen's at home the uh, by herself and the killer ends up breaking in and he he hides in her he hides in her closet and she ends up going to bed and the next morning Helen wakes up with most of her hair cut to like cut to bits and the word soon written in lipstick on her mirror. Now, this is the part that's this hilarious to me. Uh the they make it seem like this just really bad thing, Helen like getting her hair cut but like he doesn't really really cut her hair that much to the point that you can't even really tell a difference throughout most of the rest of the film. And, and it's bad because like there's characters that mention her hair. Like there's even a part like later on where there's a cop who, who, who when she's in the back of a police car, he says, uh he says, oh, uh, what'd you do to your hair? But it's, it's really like nothing there's like nothing wrong with her hair her hair looks fine it looks like medium length at that <laughs> like I think they could have done something they could have done a better plot point than this whole her getting her hair cut because it really didn't look cut or wrong at all
0: it's just it was unnecessary She, I mean could have woke up just to that or I don't know maybe like her like blood on her hand or something but I agree with you yeah
1: uh julie and you know obviously helen's all shaken up by it uh julie ends up getting a call from from barry and he tells her to come to helen's after what happened on the way though julie hears rattling in her trunk of her car and she opens the trunk and she finds max's dead body In, uh, I don't know if you. Uh, I was reading up a little uh, thing before this, uh, Jar. Apparently, the body was done so well, the body cast was done so well that Jennifer Love Hewitt actually got production shut down because she thought that was legitimately the guy playing Max's dead body in her uh, in her in the trunk. Like they had production, everybody on the set had to calm her down. And, you know, basically show her that Max was still, in fact, alive and that it was just a body cast.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a good body cast. The other part, too, is to also, is, is in this scene, is that not only is he dead in the trunk, but he's covered by crabs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good body cast. And it, that happens, and she ends up shutting the trunk, and she runs to Helen's and brings. Uh, like she doesn't drive she literally shuts the trunk and she runs to helen's house and she brings helen and barry back to her car to show them but when she opens the trunk the body's gone and uh, she's convinced that the killer took the body and that they are not safe they're not safe
0: this was real. that was really weird because number one it's like even if the, what was he gonna do with all the craps the yeah. second part is that it's in broad daylight. So like even if they're even if it was possible, it like it really is impossible.
1: possible. Yeah. And you know, this is the infamous scene where Jennifer Love Hewitt gets that one does that one memorable scene where uh she runs, uh she turns around and she like yells out, uh, what are you waiting for? Huh? What are you waiting for? And the, 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 that scene gets mimicked in in Scary Movie and some other things. It's as actually well.
0: like the last part of Scary Movie that gets mimicked by Anna, by Anna yeah. First that does it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> so later, <laughs> shit. Sorry about that, Colin. They uh. After you know this happens later, they run into Ray, and he lets them know that he also uh, got a letter. And this part's fucking great because as much as the dick Barry is, I laugh my ass off at him getting, uh, at him getting pissed at this because he goes, "Oh, well, oh, well, this is really uh, great." Uh, Helen gets her hair, Helen gets her hair cut off. Julie gets a body in her trunk. I, I get run over. And Ray gets a letter.
0: <laughs> I tell you, he does such a good job being that douchebag in this in this character.
1: He he definitely did, but I thought that was great because it's like I'd also be a little pissed at this. i like, I'd start to probably point fingers at Ray. Like, hmm, maybe you're on to something because why are we getting all this bad stuff happening to us and you you just get a letter? It's a little odd, but uh julie ends up deciding to speak to missy again while helen and barry are watching each other's backs at a at a parade the, the town's having a parade uh, for fourth of july uh julie tries to convince missy she goes to her house and she tries to convince missy that david did not kill himself after missy presents her with a suicide note written in the same style as the letter from the the killer and uh, a little uh, argument ensues, and Missy ends up getting, telling Julie to leave. Meanwhile, at the Croker pageant, Helen uh, is with uh, Barry. Or, I mean, she's not, she's not with Barry. She's, uh, she's at the Croker pageant. She has to be there, and she has to, like, sit down while it's going on. And she's, you she can see the balcony where Barry is from above and she sees, she actually witnesses him be murdered by the killer. But uh, when people go to check after, you know, she uh, fre- freaks out and tells them they find out that the, the killer nor the body are found at all. And, and this is another part that's really spoofed really well in, in a scary movie. It's another part where I'm like, I all I can think about is scary movie.
0: Yes, because essentially what happens is uh, Helen is like you know screaming, saying like "Look, look what's happening!" and in scary movie, the character role that's played by Shannen Elizabeth, she's doing the same thing, and they think she's acting, which ends up having her win like the pageant. So, um, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's great. Uh, so after this happens, a uh, police officer arrives, and he ends up driving uh, Helen. Uh, home but he ends up getting uh stopped and lured into an alley by the killer where the killer kills him it takes a fish uh takes, he, he gets a he gets a a hook to the stomach and it, it's done really well in that gale. like you see uh, uh you see a lot of blood come up on the uh, come up out of his mouth and stuff and then I didn't even realize it until I was watching a a dead meat kill count on this. But while this is happening, uh, Helen uh, actually breaks out of the cop car, and because you know, she's in the back seat, and that same thing was mimicked in Scream Two in the same year, also written by Kevin Williamson. Oh,
0: yes, it is because uh, Sydney uh, Sydney breaks out. Yep.
1: Yeah, and so that's the same exact thing that happened in that. But uh Helen's up running to her her sister's her her store, where Elsa's working, and she gets in there to try and to try and hide. Uh, in this part, like <laughs> the way it's shot, when 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 she opens the door for Helen right before them, the killer looks to be like right there. And that store is made of mostly glass. How the hell did Elsa not see him?
0: No, I mean, it's one of those unspoken things. It's uh, it's it's one of the negatives you get with horror movies that just like all of a sudden like they turn into a room and then also like the kidner somehow is like gone. It's like no, the killer's not gone. Is who knows?
1: Yeah, it was it was a lot. but uh. She lets her in and stuff, but it's, it's still too late because uh, the killer ends up getting in in a back door and ends up finding Elsa and murdering her. He then, the, the fisherman, we then see the fisherman chase Helen uh, into the attic where she jumps out of the window into a dumpster and now Helen's, you know, uh, Helen's kind of out, out of it and she looks... uh. She's looking for the, the fisherman, but she doesn't see anywhere and she ends up fleeing through the back alleys and she's trying to get to the, to the ongoing parade that's going on. And this is this, this is probably one of the best chase scenes in a slasher film. This whole sequence it's just, it's done really well the, the way that the, the way they do it. Cause like, uh, Helen's hearing noises and she's turning around, but she keeps getting distracted by uh, by the parade. And she actually gets almost to the very end. She almost gets out of the alley and she can, you can literally see the parade and she's really, really close to being safe. And the killer shoves her, comes out of nowhere and shoves her into a stack of tires and kills her right there. Even though she was so close to safety. And the first time I watched this, I was so pissed because Buffy was just killed. I was like, this is bullshit. Buffy shouldn't be the one. Buffy should be a final girl.
0: <laughs> Buffy gets killed in everything. If you think about like, then she gets killed in Scream 2, so it's not good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Buffy gets killed in... in no, Sarah Michelle Miller, uh, gets killed in Scream 2. Uh, this same year, and ironically, she's played a, she plays a sorority girl named CeCe. Hi, yeah. CC. <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> but yeah. But, but yeah, I always hated this because yeah, I'm such a huge Buffy fan, and I hated seeing her die in this because I was rooting for her. But yeah, uh, so after this julie ends up learning that the killer is named ben willis and he's a fisherman he actually murdered david egan the guy that they thought that they killed after david and ben's daughter susan willis was involved in a car crash where uh, near where the near where the Julie uh, julian ray and barry and helen uh, a hit uh, hit Ben Su- and uh, Susie was actually killed in in an accident and, and David was 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 unharmed so Ben you know blames him for Susie's for Susie's death and so he, had, he ended up killing David Egan Ben blamed you know said like Ben blamed David and he killed him a year later making it look like a suicide but then on the way home
0: on, on his way home what ends up happening is uh he runs into ben willis who's susie's father and he ends up killing david and that's what um we go back to the beginning where we see a guy on the cliff that was david and that was literally moments before he was about to get killed and after essentially off camera ben kills david ben is the one that's walking around the mountain that gets hit by the car that's driven by the four friends and that's where it's like dun done yeah. dun, dun. like that would all kind of like the story goes back in full circle and that's where we're at right now where um that she ends up julie ends up you know find out to go tell ray and then they are attacked by the guy and
1: yeah but 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 she but it's because uh, it's because like she goes to tell ray that she finds ray on his boat and she goes to tell him the story but he isn't believer. But then jo- Julie notices that the boat that Ray's on, the name of it is Billy Blue. And so she starts to think that Ray is the killer.
0: And see, that's the one thing, though, I'm still trying to, in this whole piece, is who's Billy Blue then?
1: Yeah. I really and that's know
0: the that. one thing, because it, that it was, um, the sister Missy says that they were visited by, by his friend, Billy Blue. And it's just something that was never figured out.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of one of those plot points they put in the movie that really doesn't go anywhere. Kind of like Helen's uh, hair being cut <laughs> made no fucking sense because it didn't look like it was cut at all. But okay. Uh, so like you know she notices that his boat's named Billy Blue and she thinks he's the one that's doing the murders. So she goes to run off, and he chases after her, but he's knocked unconscious by a, a man on the thing who ends up telling Julie to get on his boat, and she does. But after does she realizes that the boat is full. He tells her to call the the to call the police on his phone that's on the boat, and then she gets on the boat, and she notices there is no phone, and there's just a bunch of newspaper clippings of stuff that her friends are in, and she realizes that that is actually Ben Willis. And so now she's being chased all over the boat while Ray regains consciousness and uh, he ends up still in the boat to save Julie because whenever she gets on the boat, uh, Ben actually uh, uh, takes it out to sea. There's a part where uh, Julie ends up, uh, she's hiding in a room full of ice. To to try and hide from, trying to trying to hide from him, and she ends up finding Helen and Barry's body in the ice. And finally, Ray catches up to him, and he climbs on board, but he's almost killed by Ben. But then he ends up getting caught in a in a boat's net, and he climbs back on, and Ray ends up climbing back on board and saving saving Julie, Ben. Meanwhile, gets his hand caught in a rope, and Ray ends up hoisting him into the air, and his hand is cut off as he falls into the ocean. And then we're back on land, and Ray tells Julie the reason he went to see Missy was because he was guilty and had to know who they hit. And he ends up telling her that he loves her, and they embrace, but but then Ben's body is not recovered. And now this part honestly feels so unnecessary because I feel like they could have just ended it where we're at, but they had to do this. They go flash forward to a year later and we see Julia is in her second year of college and she's about to go on a trip with, to New York with Ray. She ends up receiving a letter resembling the one that, that she got originally at the start of the movie from Ben, but it's just a pool party invitation. And you can see, she's obviously relieved. She returns to the bathroom uh, and it's, it's, there's just, there's, it's still with steam. And then, but before she gets in the shower, she sees on the shower door is, I still know is written. And then something jumps through the shower door and attacks her, which makes no fucking sense because this, when the sequel starts, Uh, the the sequel that we got uh, has no mention of this whatsoever. And this literally went nowhere.
0: It's one of those unfortunate things that in the horror genre is that sometimes you get a movie and the ending always wants to leave it open for a sequel. And I think that's what this is uh, an unofficial part of it is that it's just all if it does well, we'll do a sequel and it did well. So they got a sequel. I think you can chalk it up to that it's not real, that it's potential it's a nightmare, because in the beginning of I still know what she did is it talks about her still having nightmares from what happened. So that's that's the only thing I could say and chalk that up to is that it was just as a way yeah, man. to keep it open for a sequel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just wish they would have, you know, maybe like started the sequel off for of that maybe it and then maybe showing like julie waking up showing that it's like a, a nightmare or hallucination or something but you know but as seen of the movie so what are your initial what are your closing
0: you know, thoughts um, um going movie. back to it like i said what the important thing is with i i know what you did last summer is it really kick-starts the the slasher like reinvigorates that genre the slasher genre um this film stars four as I mentioned earlier like teen heartthrobs of the nineties that would go on to do even more successful roles um probably at the end of the day Sarah Marcel Giller was the most famous one with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is really just screams you know nineties you know that nineties vibe if you're If you were ever a fan of the 90s, you got to get into 90s slasher. And and I know what you did as part of that. Uh, I think it is an interesting story because, as I mentioned, the importance of that moral dilemma, it really, you know, kind of puts you into perspective of what would you do if you were one of these four people. And then, you know, going back, is I kind of see where the main antagonist, um, Ben Willis, Eventually, you know, he was already insane because he killed somebody, David Egan, that he thought, you know, was part of his uh, daughter's death. So obviously when he got hit and thrown out in the water, you know, he's coming back for revenge and he already had that, you know, murderous sight into him. I think it's a great story. Um, it's something that has, I think, a lot of uh, replay value into it. You know, looking back, I'm sure there's things that could be better. You know, you can always use more kills. It's a very small cast. Like in the, at the end of the day, it's this cast is really like it's like seven people, but those seven people are really not on screen a lot, and it's really more closer to like two people at it. Like you literally see two people at a time. It's like you see either Julian Ray or you see Barry and. And Helen, or you see Helen and Julie, like you really don't see the cast together. It's it, it you know, a lot of times. And then, one of the things you mentioned is Ray Freddy Prince Jr. and Helen Sarah Michelle Gillard met on the scene, they had like three exchanged three words with each other throughout this film on actual that was uh, filmed. Um, I I think you could definitely improve on some of the kills because, you know, anything that's off-death can always, off-screen can always be better. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of, there's not a lot of gore, very simplistic kills with everybody that was killed, to be quite honest. But I, I think at the end of the day, I give it, um, I would use fish hooks and I would give it four out of five fish hooks.
1: Excellent excellent uh yeah like i said at the start uh this is this is one of my one of my favorite slashers uh you know obviously i'm a huge scream fan but i also really love i know we did last summer i think even though they have similar even though they're somewhat similar they they're still good enough to be their own things and i i enjoy them both greatly separately but uh yeah, like you, you brought good points up that about uh there're not being like a lot of blood. I do wish there was like more blood uh, for this movie, but I think for what it was was fine. I did really enjoy the story of, of the friends being stuck in a moral dilemma and everything uh and I really do like the character of the fisherman. I love what they did with this one. I love what they do in the sequel. We won't talk about the third one. That doesn't exist, but does, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I think they created a great horror horror icon with the Fisherman. And it's a fun, just a really great 90s slasher, in, in my opinion, overall. Uh, I think I might have to go with, with four fish hooks as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. One of the things when we said, like, one of the most important things is when we say, like, more gore or more blood, it's it, for it to also make sense, too. Like, you wouldn't want just, like, a fish hook, and all of a sudden, you know, a gallon of fake blood comes out. Like, it has to make sense. But if you look at some of the aspects, I think also, like, in eventually you get to the, the sequel. I still don't know what you did last summer. You look at some of the kills that come in with that, you know. That's what we're, we're talking about. Just a little more elaborate scenes and just, you know, a, a hook into the stomach and then the person kills over, and then that's it. But, you know, to kind of put a ball on that, that wraps up. This is like our 4th of July horror film. I know what you did last summer, occurs yeah. over 4th of July. Um, we are actually next week, we're taking next week off because uh, you are going on your annual trip, which. Yep, I'll be on mine. My-
1: summer vacation at the beach with
0: the family. Which I'm excited for because as somebody who's stuck in hot weather, anytime I hear about beaches, I'm just like, yes, go live it up, and that's great to hear. Um, We will be back in two weeks covering another summer favorite that everybody loves. uh, A classic. The movie Jaws. It's been such long time since I've seen Jaws. Um, I actually made a joke that I may actually go to Go find a pool and run a big screen and watch, you know, watch Jaws in the pool at night and see how that works. You know, <laughs> I'll maybe even go get, I'll go get like an electric little baby shark or something. Yeah, not real shark, but like electric, you know, little thing that throw in the pool that moves around and mimics to make it even more spooky. But, uh, like I said, we're looking forward to that. So we won't be on next week. Uh, We'll be back two weeks with Jaws. We may have a special guest with that one. Please, uh, is there anything you want to say, Kyle, before we uh, send our listeners off?
1: Before we wrap this one up, uh, just one thing. uh, You know, I know this is going to release in July, but right now we're recording on the last day of June, which is the last day of Pride Month. Just because June is Pride Month, doesn't mean you you only celebrate pride and supporting any of your lgbtq plus uh, friends on uh, uh during the month of june you should support lgbtq uh q friends uh, uh, content creators uh horde just, just it, or anything in general you uh, should for, should should support that Every month of the year, like the, you shouldn't, and no one should just find one month to celebrate and support and support their friends. It should be all months of the year because they deserve all your love as much as everybody else does, and they're just as, as valued and just as much as just, just as valued and loved as everybody else is. Hopefully, I I did good with that. I don't know if I did. Yeah,
0: that. I mean. To echo those same sentiments is we have months that spotlight the different, um, for lack of a better term, communities. June is Pride Month. Pride Month is a time to where we essentially honor and talk about the struggles that those of yesteryear went through. Um, and a lot of people, that's one of the reasons that we have, there are pride parades. And, Same thing happens with Black History Month. Same thing happens with, you know, uh, Latin Heritage Month. But those months and those spotlights don't end. People still go through struggles, and people still deal with discrimination, um, especially in the LGBTQ community. That continues on after June 30th. And to support your friends your family, your loved ones, every single day to promote inclusivity and diversity is an ongoing battle because there are a number of individuals who do think individuals who are LGBTQ don't deserve the same rights as other individuals. And whether it's transgenders in sports, transgender bathrooms, whether it's Um, the right to marriage in fact as part of a certain party's platform in there is talked about that disagreeing with the supreme court ruling that allowed same-sex marriages and trying to overturn that supreme court ruling at a later date that they want to work towards and that's why every single day not just during the month of pride we have to show support and respect and promote inclusivity for our friends and family and loved ones that are part of the LGBTQ community. And so I know that this month of Pride, um, this was essentially my first month getting a chance to interact with a lot of our uh, friends and that are in the horror community that are part of the LGBTQ community as well, and, you know, support them. and. It doesn't end today, it continues on. So, to all those, um, like I said, we hope that this month was what you want it to be, but we will never stop supporting you, and that will go on for a lifetime. And as we look forward to, like I said, um, moving into this, will be fortunate, this will drop on Friday july 2nd for july weekend i will say this uh, please have a fun safe 4th of july weekend um, please be respectful and mindful for our little critters out there our cats and dogs that get freaked out from fireworks be safe if you utilize fireworks because especially in dry hot areas fireworks are truly flammable. And as somebody who has seen a number of wildfires take out the entire uh, Western United States at different various points in the last five to six years, it is nothing to play with. Uh, please fire. Please follow your local uh, firefighters' guidelines as far as uh, safe practices using fireworks. Um, but have fun, stay safe, and with that, uh, we must bid you adieu. Goodbye. Good night. Bang.